0: songwriter we had the opportunity to talk to Elliot of the Rubens over Zoom video. Elliot talks about growing up in New South Wales in Australia and having obviously two older brothers and we found out he has two younger siblings as well but uh, both of his brothers are in the band with him. His brother Sam is the oldest he's the singer and then you have uh, Zach who's the guitar player next in line and then Elliot and when the band formed Elliot was still in high school. The first time he heard his band play on the radio, he was in his final year of high school. He talked about having their debut single, Lay It Down, landing at number 57 on Triple J Hottest 100 of 2011, which is huge. They recorded the song in their like bedroom. Uh, The next single that came out, My Gun, was another huge song for them, which allowed them to go to New York City to record their very first record. He talks about that album going platinum, the follow-up record Hoops, and taking the number one slot on the Triple J Hottest 100 for the title track to that second album, Hoops. Elliot also tells us about La La Rue, their third record, and touring with Pink, playing the MTV Unplugged, and their latest record that just came out, 0202. You can watch the interview with Elliot and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringin' It Backwards, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Bringin' Back Pod.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with the Rubens. Yeah, this podcast is about you and your journey in music and uh, how you got to where you are now and forming the Rubens and your new record that just came out like a couple days ago. Easy. Yeah, on Friday. Yeah. Right on. So fresh. Very cool. Very cool. So, whereabouts did you grow up? Where, where, Where were you born and raised? Uh, so I was
1: born in, uh, I was born, born in Camden, which is about an hour South of Sydney in Australia. Um, it's kind of like a little kind of country town. It's actually pretty damn big now, but when, when, when I was born there, it was a little country town. So Sam, Mm -hmm. Zach, and I from from the band, we're brothers and we're all from there. The whole band is from there essentially, but yeah, three of us are brothers.
0: Wow. That's cool. So obviously you all grew up together and did like are you the oldest like who's the oldest brother
1: so sam who's the lead singer he's mm-hmm. the oldest okay and then there's zach who plays guitar and then there's me yeah okay. and then in our in our family um there's three other younger siblings as well so oh wow to go around big family yeah, they're not they're <laughs> not in the band yeah they the, they missed out on the band but uh um, <laughs> there's a lot of us
0: Right. Well, then, um well, so your older brother, th- were you like trying to follow in his footsteps and aware, or Like how did uh, music come into your life?
1: Uh Well, we grew up playing music, but it was never like a thing that we did thinking it would be a job. Like it was just a hobby that we would do. You know, our parents would encourage us to learn an instrument like you would encourage them to, to pick up a sport or something. It's just something mm-hmm. to do. And so I think we were all just kind of, you know, bedroom musicians, just, playing for our own you know our own pleasure and then eventually Sam who had like like a lot of Australians do he did like a gap year uh once Mm -hmm. he'd finished high school and went traveling uh and ended up in London and started playing music over there uh, just by himself and then came back um a few years later when I was finishing high school and he and Zach were just kind of bored and aimless and didn't have much to do so just said hey do you want to start a band and me being just you know a young kid in high school I was like hell yeah that sounds cool and so we just decided sure. to do it and it kicked off from there yeah it wasn't something that was ever planned or like that was the first time we ever actually played together musically was when Sam suggested hey do you want to start a band like after everything oh
0: wow wow yeah. Well, you you're key you play keys so were you always a piano player or was that the first instrument you learned
1: yeah. First and only really. And like, I, oh, okay. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I was l- younger, I had to be bribed to take lessons from my mum, and she would give me like a lollipop or something just to go get a lesson from a lady down the street. Cause I hated it. I just didn't want to do it. Like it made no sense to me. And then eventually I got more into it, you know, got into music like, and, and pursued it a little more. We're still not, you know, I still can't read music. I still can't do any of that stuff. It's like all that stuff is over my head. I was just like, I like to bash the keyboard, you know?
0: Sure. (laughs) And at at this point, you don't need to learn, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's funny. A lot of like, we're not very capable, uh, technical musicians. Like Sam will show me a song idea and he's playing it on guitar. And then, um, I'll be like, Oh, so what chord, what chord is that the next one? He'll be like, I don't know. (laughs) i I don't know i don't actually know.
0: (laughs) try to find it on the
1: piano (laughs) yeah exactly it's like i think i think honestly the fact that we're not like um technically trained is like it's kind of beneficial for us because if you if you don't know the the ins and outs of what makes up a song like the technical side of it you're more like you're more capable of or susceptible to like just stumbling across things and that they Mm -hmm. sound like they're surprises to you and they're they're you know, if 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 someone who can read music and and is classically trained would would know all those tricks already. And so for mm. us, it's like we just come across and be like, hey, these chords sound cool together. Who would have known? And right, they'd probably right. be like, yeah, we would have known. You
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, with 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 piano and keyboard, like you said that your mom had to bribe you to, to go to lessons. When did you end up, you know, just kind of you know, liking it and, and playing on your own time?
1: I think high school
0: um, when oh, I just wow. started to get,
1: yeah, yeah. So I, I quit. I, I probably only had lessons as a kid when I was like maybe five or six or something for a year, mm-hmm. I might've done it and I didn't like it. And then high school, I just started to get more into music and wanted to like, just, I don't know, participate in it somehow. Like you listen to your favorite band and you have that urge to, be more than just a fan who loves listening to that song. You're like, I want to play that song. How do I do that? You know, I want to get involved. And so that's when I started to get more into it and, and, and get involved in the, in the, in the music side of being a fan.
0: Okay. And did you ever like, was this your first band? I mean, you said that your brother kind of came back and asked you if you wanted to play with him. Like, was this the first band you ever joined or were you in stuff like in high school?
1: In high school, I was in one uh, band with a few mates and we just kind of, it was kind of like a ragtag thing where we would all just like swap instruments and 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 try and get as many gigs as we could. I think we played like a battle of the band somewhere and and lost okay. and like you know, all those typical kind of high school gigs. We played at like people's, people's birthday p- parties and stuff and we were like, hell yeah, this is sick. We're in a band, we're cool. Sure. So I was actually, like, there was actually a point as well where where I was in both the high school band and the Rubens. And it was like, it was like, I felt like at one point, I'm, I'm going to have to make a decision here. I don't know which one I want to be in. And I remember speaking to the high school mates when things started to kick off with the Rubens. I was like, boys, I just don't know if I've got time. Like I got to play this gig. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do the other <laughs> stuff. And they were like, it's fine, dude. Don't worry about it.
0: Uh, <laughs> they let you off the hook to leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, we're going to university, man. Don't worry. We're not. Gonna, we're not going to keep on doing this thing. I was like, fair yeah. enough.
0: Yeah. So, were you still in high school when when the band started?
1: Yeah. So I was seventeen uh, in twenty eleven uh, when it when we started the band, and I I remember going to like our first couple of gigs, having to get like the an X on my hand saying don't serve this kid alcohol because we're playing yeah 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 i couldn't drink and so it was just like it was a really funny thing to be like you know going to because we're playing a lot of shows around sydney um and and they'd be like late night shows playing um in like king's cross which is like a was a pumping area in sydney we'd be playing there at like 1 30 in the morning and then i'd have to go to school the next day and just be like oh dudes i'm i'm so tired (sighs) Why? Oh yeah, I was just at a gig last night. Just playing a gig with my band. There's nothing, (laughs) nothing major. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah, a lot lot of bratty, humble bragging,
0: I think, on my part. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, when you put the first record out, were you still in high school, or you guys out of high school?
1: Just out of high school. So that first year, um, I was finishing high school, and then, um, and then 2012 was when we put out the first record. So I finished high school late 2011. And mm-hmm. early 20 or oh, yeah I think early 2012 we went over to New York to record the first record.
0: Wow, okay and what so lay it down wasn't that out though prior or, or was that something that you guys put out or recorded in in Sydney?
1: Yeah yeah so we did we did a bunch of demos in Sydney just literally you know on logic on our laptops and had these tracks and started putting them out on on unearthed which is a website, an Australian website that's um, part, a part of Triple J, which is a radio station. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of young bands, uh, when you're starting out, everyone puts their music on unearthed, hoping that people are going to hear it and it'll get played on the radio. So that's what we did with Lay It Down and a couple of other tracks. We put them up there and they they started to get some attention and some love. And so they got put out on um, on radio. And that was when we started to get a little bit of buzz and we kind of we, we pulled back because we had all these songs and we started putting them out and we thought, mm-hmm. oh, we got to wait until we got to sit on this material and make an album out of it. And that was what we took over to New York to record the actual record.
0: Wow. Okay. So with that, well, so with my gun, that was the second single and that one won, you know, pretty much, you know, a Grammy award, right? A video music award and like all these other big things. Was that something that you had recorded in New York or was that a, a, a song that you had out prior?
1: that's that's one we had prior but then the 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 album the album version is different to what people initially heard so oh. like we had that kind of thing where we started to blow up a bit off these shitty bedroom demos that we'd done
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: it's like we we almost wanted to like pull them back before people got too attached to those versions cuz we were like oh sh- don't love this version guys we're going to go over and to a proper studio and make a real version and sure. you're going to love that even more but like <laughs> i remember the feeling of like coming back uh from new york with the album versions and playing shows i I remember like some like early fans coming up to us and being like we don't like this new album version we love the we love the The bedroom yeah yeah the the, the demo version i'm like i understand you know that's like the first version you hear is the one that you're gonna love kind of thing but it was a funny thing where it's like yeah things started to kick off quicker than we were anticipating and so we had to like kind of catch the tail of it
0: Mm -hmm. with well with that first single and getting it on you know the the radio and stuff was that kind of a i mean i imagine that's a huge moment for you guys like hearing your song on the radio for the first time like do you remember where you were when that happened yeah i do i remember i was at a
1: friend's uh i think of just a friend's 18th birthday party and um i think it was some stupid dress up theme so i was dressed in ridiculous clothes i don't even know what i was i might have been a like a great gatsby themed birthday party so i looked ridiculous and then Uh i got a text on my phone from sam saying uh, just got word we're about to be played on the radio. So I ran out of the party to my car and then hopped in the car and turned on the radio and I probably caught like the back half of it or something, but I was so excited.
0: That's so rad. Were you in high school at that point too or you had just finished? Yeah, yeah, I was in high school. So it was Whoa. just like- was that yeah. like a, that was probably a big subtle brag moment at school too, right? Yeah, oh, you know, we're man. on the radio.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no I, remember, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember like, I remember a friend of mine was was like saying oh like I really love lay it down um like Sam's voice it sounds so good in it and I was like oh yeah he does sound really good on it like i sing on it as well and she's like yeah but Sam's voice
0: sounds really good on it I'm like
1: <laughs> but I sing it, on it as well you know like I'm trying yeah, to get, right. get some kind of credit yeah. Yeah, yeah that's
0: funny well, then how did you guys get out to New York? Was that like um, done through, did you meet a manager off of the success of those first couple songs to get you out there? Or, or is it you already had a plan to go record the record in New York?
1: It was a pretty, cra- was a pretty crazy happenstance uh, moment where we had, after we'd done a b- bunch of demos, we had met up with a guy from our hometown as well called Dean Tuza, who's an engineer producer um and he was like super into our our demos and so our whole plan was let's record this album with dean early early stages when we were just like writing songs let's record them with dean in his home studio Mm -hmm. and you know we'd planned to do that and meanwhile he'd gone over to do um the like mix with the masters seminar i think it was in france and he he like with like Michael Brower, they do like seminars and with a bunch of like young engineers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he met David Kahn, who was there, who was also on the seminar. Wow. And he showed David Kahn, who's like a New York producer, mm-hmm. he showed him my gun and lay it down, I think. And David was, David liked it. His ears pricked up and he was like, oh, what's this? This is really cool. And uh, Dean explained to him who we were and that we were starting out and we were keen on doing a record. And I think David, he, he he said kind of off the cuff you know yeah i'd love to work with these guys and i think dean and also us we took that when we heard when we got word of it we took that as yeah he wants to work with us let's do it because we were just young right. and green and naive sure and yeah and so i think like st- like talks started to happen between um us and david and we didn't actually have a label at the time um uh, uh, and our mate was managing us. So it was like, we were just kind of like completely green and new to this, but I think we, we took everything that David said, his enthusiasm at face value. And so pretty soon, Sam and Dean were on a plane to New York and then showed up at David's studio. And he was like, we found out after the fact, he was just like taking aback, Like, Oh, these Australians have turned up at my studio. You actually, <laughs> you want to make a record? Oh, okay. So let's do it. And so like he allotted this time for us to work in his studio and the rest of us flew over and we spent like something like three months there and, and, wow. and hashed out the album. And this was before, this was before we had a record deal or anything. Like we borrowed money for plane tickets to get over there from our parents because we were just, you know, working in pizza shops and stuff. We had no cash. Sure. So we, right. Yeah. Right. We got over there and we were living on like 10 bucks a day, just eating, you know, dollar, dollar 25 slices of pizza and stuff. It was mad. And I think um, <laughs> while we we're over there, we were getting a lot of, that was when we were getting a lot of attention uh, from record labels. And that's when we started to to, to get that type of uh, support for the record. Because from the get-go, David, he straight up said, you know, I'll, I'll front the bill for this. Uh, I really want to make this record with you guys. Let's just make it, do- get it done. And then when wow. the deal happens, the deal happens kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a huge um, sign by him for him to just be like,
0: to back us that way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, wow. Yeah. He obviously saw something or he wouldn't have wasted his time and, you know, to, to, to put out the record before there was any like support for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Wow. I think it was, a, a, we're
1: very lucky in that he was super, super generous, generous and, and excited by our music. And we were super, super naive to think that, you know, we could go over and do it. Like, I don't, I think when you're young, you just take those risks cause you're just dumb. You're just stupid, you know. <laughs> right. You don't understand. Yeah, you, don't, you don't know the consequences could, of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we're all still like living at our, in our parents' house, not paying rent. It's like we're, we we mm-hmm. we don't we don't know the risk we're taking. But you know, it all sure. it all panned out, which is very lucky.
0: Wow. Okay. So once you get back with the, with the album, were were you? I mean, there the, the buzz, I'm sure, was still there, right, with the band. And now you get back, and then do you re do you give the Triple J the the album versions of these songs or did you just wait on them to, to do the next record?
1: Yeah. Well, like, no. So, so I think lucky, luckily enough, we were still getting discovered by a lot of people by the time we got that record done. And so a lot of people <laughs> hadn't heard those songs and it was just kind of everything kicked off. Uh, when we got back, we went, got straight into touring and then, uh, the album count cam- came out, I think later in the year, 2012. And, um, yeah we just got a lot of love and started the whole the whole career musician kind of cycle where it, where you know you you make a record you tour that record mm-hmm. you you know at the end of two years of touring you go back and you make the next record if you've got the material and stuff and so we kind of had to learn on our feet what that kind that news that career would look like um but yeah we, we were we were just so happy to be to be doing it because we hadn't even been a band for very long we understood how how lucky that trajectory was
0: mm-hmm. sure yeah i mean to to have that you know kind of buzz off of a couple songs that you guys had put out especially you said that you recorded them in like your bedroom you know and yeah to have that reaction obviously there was something there um why did you guys sign with ivy league records was that uh they just gave you the best deal or how did how did that conversation start
1: well, we had we had lots of meetings with different um, labels, and it really came down to like the people at the record were just we just clicked with them, um, and we're still so close with them now. Like we've been with them for every record. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all just like really, really good people. Uh, we have we've had them over for like family Christmases before, just because I don't know. I think the fact that like we're all from all the band members are from a small kind of country town. Uh, we're not, we, we, we didn't grow up thinking that this would be, we would be in the entertainment business. Um, we're all pretty, I think like we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not, we don't expect anything from this industry. We're just happy to be here and we love having a good time. Uh, so the fact that we all pretty, we all keep each other pretty grounded means that the people that we surround ourselves with, including the label, Uh, we want them to be people that we gel with so I think we're very Mm -hmm. lucky uh, to be and same with management and everyone it's like we're just very lucky to have a good group of people around us
0: that's amazing yeah and then that first record I mean goes platinum that must have been a massive moment for you guys
1: crazy crazy it's nuts especially like even then you know people it wasn't quite streaming quite hadn't kicked off just yet but Mm -hmm. it was you know cd no one's buying cds back then and And records and things so to get that type of recognition we
0: were yeah blown away and then with with the second record hoops was that like when you put that album out was it were you thinking like okay you know that the the self-titled album did awesome like how are we going to follow that or was that not even a thought in your your head at the time
1: i think it kind of it was like an ebb and flow like we 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 had so much fun writing and recording Um, and getting ready for the second record that we were, we managed to, to, to trick ourselves into not freaking out. I think Uh, just because, yeah, yeah, I think like everyone would say to us going into it, like, Ooh, the, the, the tough sophomore record, the second Mm -hmm. record, you know, this is where it's make or break. And what we actually did was we, we rented a, a a beach house an hour South of Sydney on the coast in New South Wales where we just, we stayed there for six months and we just spent the whole time uh, writing music, recording music, um, having barbecues, swimming at the beach. And so we just distracted ourselves with a, a nice, happy environment. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, made made sure that we didn't, you know, we didn't succumb to that kind of pressure, which is very lucky.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay, so you toured that that first record for a while. Were you still in just Australia or were you, um branching out like worldwide more
1: we did we did a yeah we did a few uh u.s tours we we toured with group love um, oh wow yeah it was on it that was one of the most fun tours we did uh we got to see obviously a lot of america that we hadn't seen before because we're jumping out a tour with them and they're amazing mm-hmm. and we did we they were doing a cool thing where in each city they would do a full band kind of like Full production live show. And then the next night they would do an acoustic strip back performance. Oh, so it was wow. really cool. To, yeah, it was an awesome thing to see how, like different ways that you could put on a live show for people. And we were so green and young. Like it was nice to see like pros like them, how they do it. And then we d- also did some tours like in Europe and stuff as well. So it was a bit of a whirlwind for some like young kids who had barely flown anywhere before, you know? <laughs>
0: sure. Wow. Was that, um, like their acoustic thing, was that kind of what led you to do? I want to talk to you about the MTV and plug thing in a minute, but that must've oh, right. like, like, was, was, were, was that thought process in your head when you went into the MTV and M- MTV Unplugged, or was that a, th- not even a thing in that? At the time?
1: I think, I, I think like, I think being, being forced to do an acoustic live show helps, with, with anything you do where it's like even with songwriting because it forces you to look at a song and what makes a song good and you have to like filter it down to its bare bare elements mm-hmm. you know the bare bones of what the song is and so it's a good way to analyze your own songwriting and also your own live show and and make sure that you do have the chops to still deliver whatever the essence of that song is mm-hmm. um, to to the audience so yeah it's something we have to keep on you do have to keep 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 uh keep a practice at it you know mm-hmm. uh and same with you know when mtv unplugged came around that's a lot of pressure because you know there's so much there's there's yeah it's such a you you're very lucky to get that offer to do an mtv unplugged show so it's mm-hmm. like you've got to really be uh prepped and ready and and ready for and, it yeah yeah and not shitting your pants because it's scary you know oh, you put I can. Out your, your best foot forward right. that was very special though yeah
0: Wow. Okay. Well, back to hoops real quick. Once, once you guys, you know, with the success of the first record and you put out that album and it's does awesome as well, like, were the tours getting bigger at that point? Were you headlining uh bigger tours? Like what was the the next step up for you guys with uh with that album? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So things started to get bigger for us, especially um, in 2015 or 2016. 2016 when they do they do a thing in australia um on triple j the radio station called the hottest 100 Mm -hmm. where it's they do a countdown everyone votes and they do a countdown of everyone's favorite songs of the year and hoops the title track off uh that record won that year so it took out the top spot which was something we never expected to happen yeah it's a massive thing in australia it's Mm -hmm. a huge poll um but that was for us like we had booked a tour at that time and then the hottest 100 announcement happened. And our, like, so it was a real tangible, um, you know, impact where it's like our booking agent called us and was like, all right, we get to, we're going to double the size of these rooms now because of the hottest 100. And we were just like blown away. Like, are you sure? Like, that can, are we going to be able to sell out these rooms? You know, are right. you sure? And they're like, no, this is a, you know, this is a tangible, this is a big thing. This has a big impact. And we were just like, Wow. Very lucky to be able to, to progress like that so quickly.
0: Sure. Wow. What was that like getting that, you know, knowing that you guys had won that like being top spy, that's so massive. It's
1: probably the best day of our lives.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: dude. And like, two of the people in the band are married and I'm sure they'll say that it was better, it was better than the <laughs> wedding day. <laughs> it's, it's a really big thing here. It's a really big thing here. Like growing up in Australia, you, everyone listens to triple J. It's a youth centered radio station. Mm-hmm. And so the hottest 100 when it comes around every year, it's a big deal. You have a big party on that day and you all, all listen to the countdown. Uh, so, you know, to be, to be listening to it and then knowing that there's a chance that you might get it, a number one spot is just knowing there's a chance is crazy enough. And then getting number one is just, yeah, it was, it was a very cool thing, especially because it is, you know, listener voted. So it is people saying, Hey, this is a song that really connected with me. I want to vote for it. That's a cool thing.
0: Wow. And that, is that the one that have, is that on like Australia day or whatever? Is that the thing that happens then or is that something different?
1: Yeah. Well, it used to be on Australia day and now it's moved because there is a lot of, uh controversy about the date of australia day because it is oh. it is the day that yeah white people invaded and colonized and so uh, triple gotcha. j did the night the right thing and said hey mm. we're not going to put a celebration on this day we'll move hottest 100 to another day okay. where everyone can be happy and celebrate so it is a good move on their part
0: yeah but it's still like a big is i mean it sounds like it's a huge thing like everybody it's you know a huge, they're, a they're partying thing. and like yeah trying to count down the songs like what was do you remember the, the song? Those is it only Australian bands or is it all over the? the no, moment? no.
1: So the funny thing is, um, we. <laughs> Uh, in number two spot was Kendrick Lamar with King Kunta, which is hilarious. Oh li- it, yeah, it's hilarious because, you know, we know that we're not better than Kendrick Lamar. Uh, it's fine. But the fact that, yeah, when we're you listening to the, to the countdown, yeah, it's so funny. All it would take would be, you know, in the lead up, if, if Kendrick had heard that there was some listener poll in Australia and all he had to do was send out a tweet or something and say, <laughs> hey, vote for me. We know that we'd be done for. But the fact that he didn't know about it sweet we'll take that number one spot
0: that's so cool that is is it usually a australian artist that wins or not too often
1: uh it's probably 50 50 i think okay. um this year glass animals won oh okay um, yeah yeah it's kind of it goes back and forth um i think like macklemore one one oh, year so yeah. it is back and yeah it's different it's diff. it's 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 international but to be honest us Aussies do get an extra leg up because there's a lot of pride in trying to get a, an Aussie song yeah the that's
0: spot. so cool that's so cool yeah. wow okay do they give you like a big award for for winning that or it's just on the air and they go okay you, you guys won yeah you just you just get you just get
1: the kudos the pat on the back really yeah but that's like so- you know it is because it is such a big thing here it's it's special enough
0: yeah of course I mean like you said they doubled the rooms on your tour because of that yeah I and mean, that's that's massive, obviously. It, yeah, wow. very, very glad, very lucky. That's so cool. Well, with the, with the next record that you guys put out, um, what would you say, Lola Rue? What would you say, like, the highlight or like a highlight of that album was, or like the big moment for you guys? What was the next, you know, like I said, next level up from that from that previous record? It was,
1: yeah, for us, it was a cool departure for, for the fact that we, the first two records we recorded in New York uh, mm-hmm. with David Kahn and for oh, this did one second we, album too okay he did the second record too yeah so we went back and did it in the same studio um and then for the third record we we realized we had the opportunity to do it here in australia because will who plays bass he has a studio uh in our hometown um in a big old uh like world war ii communications bunker it's like this big concrete Whoa long tunnel yeah it's crazy if you go on our socials i think there should be some photos buried deep somewhere where you can oh, check right. it out. It's scroll nuts.
0: down that's dope
1: yeah it's cool it's really cool but he's got like his own studio there that's that's like you know it's 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 excellent quality like internationally it's an excellent studio but it's in our hometown and so he had the opportunity to actually do the record there and we um flew out to producers uh wilder and Torbert schwartz who are Who are like affiliated with Run the Jewels? They help uh, with a lot of their production. Yeah, we met them a few years ago on a tour in Australia because they were touring with LP, and we just kind of like hung out with them a lot and kind of became friends. And then when it came to recording the third record, Lullaroo, we were considering like, all right, who could if we're going to do the studio, do the recording here in the studio, we're going to need to bring in some kind of producer um, to 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 help us tie the thing together and to run the show. And so we thought of them and then they were, they were totally down. We sent them some demos and they, they liked them. And then we flew them out for like a month or two and just spent time in, in Camden in our hometown in Australia with these two New York locals uh, just yeah, <laughs> sampling the, the delights of Vegemite and, and listening to Australian birds during the day and stuff. It was like an amazing experience just to hang out with them and make music.
0: That's so cool. That's so rad, and and that's the record that you were able to tour. I saw you toured with Pink on that tour.
1: Yeah, that's the oh one. my gosh, yeah, what yeah. was that so she like? Came out, dude, it was nuts. It was crazy. Like we've we've played, we've t- toured with uh, supported big artists before. Like we supported the Black Keys and Bruce Springsteen, but those shows were only oh. for a couple. This, wow. This tour was forty something shows in only in Australia, and New Zealand. Like that's how big her market is here. She just. She could tour it perpetually. I think it's nuts. So we, we had to learn how to, you know, function in an arena space night after night after night and learn how Mm -hmm. to like connect with people way up the back of the room and stuff. Like it was a bit of a whirlwind. It was weird to be in that, that space where it is like she tours with, you know, her own little town, almost like her own little village. Like there's, there's catering and there's, there's personal trainers, uh, not for us because we didn't have to do any gymnastic. It's it's all for <laughs> you know her and her crew and yeah. stuff. But it is just like this city of people that roll into each town or city or whatever, and then and then pack up and move out. So it was like, it was very eye opening to see that side of like the entertainment industry. Yeah, like that level of, of production. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Like they are super committed to you know their show. Like for us, a band of idiots who don't even know how to play their instruments properly and just you know we just drink beers on stage every night and get through the songs and these guys are like professional musicians only only like they've all got like their own trainers and stuff they're stretching before the show and we're just like oh all right we should probably take this seriously
0: (laughs) oh wow Wow. how did you guys approach that those those um like stadium shows i mean that must have been a totally different experience as far as like okay now we have to take our you know rock show or you know our smaller venue show to this gigantic arena and yeah have to, you know go up before pink with her acrobats like did you guys take a different approach or was it the same i'm we're just gonna go we do out and play we, I
1: think, well, yeah, we, we planned it for the first show. We, ha- we were like, all right, so we'll, we'll do the show this way. We'll we'll have these moments and we'll like, you know, we'll go hard. I think our set was only like 30 minutes. So we didn't have to like keep them for too long. It was just I had given them the hits. And after the first show we played, we got off stage and we were just like, oh, I don't know if we, I don't know if this is going to work. Like we, we felt like, you know, the audience is so far away. Even the people in the front row, they're so far away. How are we connecting with them? Let alone people up the back. And we had like, we had a big talk with everyone with like our management and everyone, because we were like, if we don't start to connect with this audience, we're probably going to get kicked off this tour or something. Because it wasn't, it wasn't like terrible, but it was like, you know, you want to get the crowd going for the the main act, Pink. You want to get that energy in the room. And so the next night, it was really just down to Sam, our front man. We were just like, all right, Sam, you've got to fuck, you got to ham it up. you got to turn it up to 11 yeah. to like really, really connect with everyone in the room. And the, like a uh, full credit to him he really really did turn it up and and learn how to like connect with everyone in the audience and jump off the mic and kind of it sounds almost like almost like you have to turn up the cheesiness, mm-hmm. but that's true because people up the back of the room, especially you know they don't they don't know the band. they, they don't care about you, they're there to see pink. Mm-hmm. So to connect with them in a meaningful way, um, you have to really really turn it up and ham it up and and luckily we didn't get kicked off the tour we did it in the <laughs> end
0: <laughs> that's amazing and then how did the mtv thing co- happen for you guys the unplugged
1: yeah so they they started doing a run with australian acts um while we were doing while we were touring that record uh so we'd seen a bunch of uh, big australian acts do it over here and we would, you know we we honestly just hoping that we would get that email saying hey you've got the offer to do MTV mm-hmm. crossing our fingers and toes. And then we got that offer and like all of a sudden excitement turns to nerves. Cause it's like, okay, so what do we do? Right. Uh, there has been a lot of iconic and M- yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that we're doing it, what do we do? And so it was, yeah, it, it was like, there was honestly just an amazing opportunity to then look at our songs and then say, all right, so how could we do these? Interestingly, how can we strip them back? Um, what can we bring in? So we brought in some string players uh, which is you know i think a lot of musicians dreams where it's like when you play in a five-piece band and you're limited to whatever you guys can play to bring in outside performers who are professionals and have them on stage and have them elevate the music was really really cool and as well like i remember doing the rehearsal with these 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 string players before the show and and like they'd been given sheet music we had a mate of ours who who's a like pro musician we had him ride off off the sheet music for them mm-hmm. and we get in the room with them and we run through each song once and we're like, Oh, they're nailing it like first time, every time. Like, can we get to the end <laughs> of the set? And we're like, do you guys like need to go through it again? And they're like, no, we're fine. And we're like, Jesus Christ, these guys are good. Like yeah. we're good too. See you on stage kind of thing. So you guys- it's easy to see that level of professionalism.
0: Wow. Like it's pretty much just one take, right? Did they have like an audience still and everything? Like how, do- how does yeah. that work? okay
1: yeah 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 so it's a room full of people sat at tables um i think you know it's a nice it it was it's this beautiful uh venue in melbourne uh in australia Mm -hmm. uh called i can't even remember the name of it something something st kilda i think oh the hotel esplanade i think it's called but it's a beautiful like iconic venue um yeah like everyone at tables with candles and stuff and oh cool nice nice and chilled the funny part is like when we walked on stage You know, it feels like this beautiful moment and there's cameras everywhere. And all right, you know, everyone's excited. Don't screw this up. And the first song uh, is a song that I start and I get there and like my keyboards aren't working. I'm not getting any power. And so I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think I just said it to the mic. Hey, everyone, Uh, just a little false start here. Like I'm not, I don't have any power on the keyboards and I'm running around trying to find where it is that's plugged in. It's like, we've lost power to half the stage. That eventually gets plugged in and then we start the set. And I think like watching back the MTV, like actual the filmed version, it's like obviously they trimmed all that and it looks oh, yeah. edited. Professional. It out. Yeah, no mistakes, you know, no false starts. It was all beautiful, <laughs> smooth as hell. It's like not not actually behind the scenes, it was a train wreck in the beginning. <laughs>
0: oh man. That must have been pretty like yeah, terrifying. You're like, uh, did I not turn it on? Like, what's going uh, on? Like, oh it's my also God. as
1: well like those moments I think can be a blessing because especially settings where it's like, that's a seated crowd. It's not a raucous pub or whatever. um, Mm -hmm. There is this kind of feeling of, Oh, this is a bit weird. This is a bit different. And then if you have something like that, go kind of wrong, but you wear it, you wear it as a performer. I think you break that, that barrier with the audience and everyone's like, Oh, we can relax. This is, this isn't too serious. We don't have to be take ourselves too seriously. Everyone can just have fun. And then from there, it's like, you know, yeah, it's the, almost the, like an icebreaker,
0: the, an accidental icebreaker <laughs> to the audience. Exactly. Like, We're humans too. Sorry. Hang on. Let's figure out the power here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people like respect that and relate to that, I think. That's yeah. I think that's so cool. Um, not the cool that it screwed up, but like, you know, just having that yeah. okay, <laughs> okay, like, yeah, they're just people, like let's let's all have fun. You know, everybody makes mistakes or we well, not mistakes, but you know, somebody didn't plug yeah. in some plug or
1: whatever. Yeah. It's like a show, warts and all, let's just get through this together.
0: Right, right, right. Wow. So where were you guys at when when this whole virus hit and the world shut down?
1: We were actually putting, like, the finishing touches on this new record. So we oh, okay. were... Okay, so
0: you had already started it and, was, and it was almost done at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we started recording uh, mid-2019 mm-hmm. um, and then... Uh, in the bunker again uh, at Will's studio. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, but but self-producing initially this time. So it was just band members in the studio uh, doing it ourselves, which was really, really cool. Um, and then I think so maybe March we were putting the finishing touches on like the last tracks in the studio. And that was when things started to go crazy mm-hmm. and lockdowns happened. And it honestly, like just as, uh, just as we weren't allowed to be together in the studio because of lockdown, Was when we were we had succeeded in finishing everything we need to do. So we're like, we got it in under the wire.
0: Right. Wow. That's that's good. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're very glad. I think we're also very lucky that the songs weren't written during COVID time because you know they're not tainted by by that experience. They're not songs about being in lockdown or whatever. It's just Mm they they're they're unsullied. I think a lot of probably a lot of terrible music is going to be written during lockdown.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone's getting sick of looking at the same walls, right? I mean, it's been so long. Yeah. It's like almost at a year. Like it's so crazy. Yeah. I don't know how tight the lockdown is there, but here we're still pretty I'm in San Diego, but and we're like, you know, you can't even eat inside yet.
1: Oh, really? Right. Mm -hmm. Things are okay here. In I'm in Sydney at the moment. Things Mm -hmm. are good here. Melbourne is in another lockdown at the moment just because they had a few cases, but I think compared to yeah, like y- where you are, America and Europe as well, Australia's mm-hmm. doing pretty good.
0: Very yeah, you good. guys we have our really ups good ups and
1: downs and, yeah. yeah. And not as good I as was... New Zealand. I've seen they're doing like festivals and stuff over there. It's like god damn, really? I wish we we're over there.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. Got it good over oh, there, man. Yeah, I was talking to um the, the somebody in Perth from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. And, you know, you, oh sure yeah. you, you know the band? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. They're I don't know Perth, but I know their music, yeah. Yeah, um, the, I was talking to the singer and he was like, it was no big deal. Cause, but that Perth is pretty far from where you guys are, yeah. correct? I mean, you're like at the opposite end of the country. Um, yeah, it's the and- most
1: isolated city in the world, apparently.
0: Um, yeah,
1: Sam, Sam um, the lead singer, he, he spent a bit of time over there during lockdown because his wife is from over there. So um, he was over there while I think we were going through a bad lockdown in Sydney. And I remember like speaking to him every now and then and be like, so what's, what's it like over there? And he's like, man, life is normal over here. And
0: I yeah, like, oh, damn it. That's what yeah, he was saying. He's like, we had shows and yeah, they were going to the pub and like I, the day I talked to him, they had a lockdown for seven days. Cause I guess somebody left and came back and he was like a postman and he got it. So then he's going to different houses, you know, like dropping mail or whatever. Um, yeah, so they right. locked down for seven days and but then nothing happened. Like nobody, there's no spike in cases. So they're opening it up. And I was talking to him. It was like noon his time. And he's like, the bars are opening. The pubs are opening up here at 6 p.m. And he's like all excited. Like, I'm, I'm going to get nine pints. He kept saying. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, dude, we haven't been outside for like a year. <laughs> you know, tell me about yeah. going to the pub. <laughs> oh, i know
1: i know it's bad i feel like every now and then like when i'm at the pub and you know life is just kind of normal and then i see you know friends overseas where it's just like you know I, we have mates in london and they're in another lockdown and stuff and I'm just like ooh, especially being in like winter like just being oh, stuck yeah yeah i think we're very yeah. lucky we have to
0: we have to not take it for granted sure i mean yeah you guys are doing something correct over there for sure if you know, the cases are down and people are actually out as we're here. We're just still trying to figure it out, <laughs> trying to figure it all out. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad that you got that record in. That's crazy. So um once the album, I mean, obviously you had to hold it for a bit because you couldn't tour or anything. Like, what was that like? Like in the, you know, having the album done and not being able to or not really wanting, I guess, to put it out.
1: It was a bit. It was it was honestly like not too hard because I think most musicians were kind of used to finishing a piece of work, and then we, you always sit on an album for a while once it's done
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, before putting it out because that's just kind of the way it works. Like there's so much to set up behind the scenes once the record is done that it can be six to eight months before oh, you know wow. the album that's mm-hmm. sitting in your Dropbox and you <laughs> want everyone to hear it in the world. It's, it can be that long before it's actually out in the public. So we were okay. The fact that we had to put it back, you know, it just made sense. It's like, we're not going to be able to tour. I think initially we wanted to put it out in October, but that just couldn't happen. And so we pushed it back. Um, but yeah, it's been nice to have it out now because in Australia, in New South Wales, uh, the past two weeks we've been doing a few, like we've been doing some regional touring where we've done like COVID safe shows. So reduced capacity shows, and then oh. seated shows where we've actually been able to play the live music for people so i'm really glad that we did hold off because if we did in october we wouldn't have been able to do anything probably and it would have kind of felt like a soft release you know
0: yeah wow that's awesome that you guys have been able to to do like a little bit of touring and, and, and playing out like are they just setting up tables and sticking people like six feet apart or something It's
1: not, most of them are like, they're, they're seated kind of like theater shows. So it's, yeah. So the seats are already there and it's like, they, they sell it under, under capacity. So people will be spread out and, and everyone has to stay in their seats. Honestly, a lot of the time people are jumping up in their seats and start dancing and security (laughs) come around and ask them to sit again. And then, you know, in between (laughs) songs, we have to ask them politely to stay in their seats. Um, and and most generally everyone's well-behaved uh but i understand their pent-up energy in having not been to a gig in so long they're just like they want to jump out of their seat and have a good right time. but it's like all right we're, we're trying not to get sued here don't yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, yeah. don't, don't be- <laughs>
0: ruin this for everybody right? yeah we don't want to make
1: the news for the wrong reasons you know can we right. just all behave yeah right, but it has right. been very special to to actually you know be on a stage and play music in, again again
0: that's amazing. I'm glad that it's that you're able to do that because a lot of artists aren't even able to promote the, the stuff that they're just putting out. I mean, that's cool that you you guys have been able to to, to play a bit.
1: Yeah, we're so lucky. We're so lucky because for a long time, you know, released a lot of music last year, a lot of singles leading up to the record and played no shows. And for most artists, putting a, mu- putting a song out, you don't really know, get a gauge of how well it's doing until you play a live show and you see people like sing it back at you. If they're singing Mm -hmm. it back to you, they love the song, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so not having that for a long time was difficult, but now it's like we're getting in front of people and we're playing that music and we're seeing it connected people. So it's a very good feeling.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. And with the, you know, you guys had the record done right under the, right under the wire. Like you're saying, have you been writing since or do you have like new material going or you're just kind of sitting on this record or not sitting on it, but like, finally getting the chance to promote it so that's kind of the focus
1: yeah we're always we're always writing uh no matter what we're doing we're try- always trying to write no matter what we're doing um we we don't have you know the solid base for whatever is next yet it's kind of like we always once a record is out you start sowing the seeds for whatever is next but we have spent the last year working um working with other artists as well other other no. other young artists doing co-writes with them to try and help them with their like songwriting process, something we're trying to get into now. Like we've been a band since 2011. So mm-hmm. we've been writing songs for a while. And it's like, we realized that there's a lot that we've learned that we could help other young artists with. So that's been really fun to just like see artists that, you know, we're in the, in the, in that early stage that we were in, you know, when I was 17 and making music and stuff and not really understanding the industry and, and help them out along the way. has been really cool. I
0: love that. And, and to that point, my last question for you is what, advice do you have for aspiring artists <laughs> well yeah i i
1: guess i guess i guess it's that it's you got to keep on working at your at your craft i think right now obviously you can't play shows a lot of the time the thing i would say would be you know play as many live shows as you can because you just get better and better and you'll build a fan base and mm-hmm. people will respect you as a performer and stuff but the thing is you can't really do that i'd say just write as much as you can because the more you write, the more you get that, you know, that nugget of gold and you just get better at it. It's a muscle and then you got to flex it.